podcast. Yes, folks, we're back. Did you miss us? Uh, we've been away for two, three weeks uh, because they say absence makes the heart grow fonder. So we just wanted to leave you wanting more. Uh, but now we've finished all our travels and our uh, individual expeditions. I think Connie went down to New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, David was holding the fort here on Cape Ann. Uh, and I was over in England uh, galloping about the Yorkshire Sculpture Park, which was quite a, an event. We had a wonderful day for it. But without further ado, let's get back to uh, the important stuff. Uh, we have today Larwin Connie Nagel and David P. Curtis joining me, Judy Curtis, around the coffee table. And we're talking today, I think this is our 27th episode, would you believe? And today's uh, topic is the element of surprise. And it's certainly going to be a surprise because <coughs> I've not rehearsed for any of this, so I can't wait to hear what I'm going to say either. Um, the element of surprise in terms of uh, a, a painting uh, is something that I'm sure Connie and David are going to have a lot to say about. Um, originally, the topic was going to be called thinking and entropy, which sounded really sophisticated. Uh, and so I had to go and look entropy up because I thought I knew what it meant. But uh, the definition I found was lack of order or predictability or gradual decline into disorder, which I think describes my method of thinking very well at the moment. But <laughs> Connie, let's go to you first, because when you're talking about um, the element of surprise, thinking and entropy, how would you describe that for, for an artist? Can you put that into easier terms for us to relate I think to. that entropy is the happy accident that Bob Ross talked about when he had little uh, buffaloes in his painting <laughs> <laughs> and he painted on TV. I was never uh, a fan of Bob Ross, but apparently a lot of, uh, of now wonderful artists uh, did see him as they were growing up. And... Um, and the point is that we do all sorts of spontaneous kind of brush strokes and things that we might consider an accident. And for the artist to realize that, that instead of rubbing them out, which is a lot of times we, uh, I see, um, especially while I'm teaching these days, I, I notice that, that people want to take their rag and rub out something that they thought was a bad stroke. Yeah. And instead, I would suggest leaving those things in and stepping to another part of your canvas, mm-hmm. working on that, and seeing, does that, does that stroke actually uh, enhance a painting, or is it, in fact, something that you want to get rid of? But our tendency in a logical system, let's say, um, is to to get rid of those things that we think were accidents and mm-hmm. missteps. Yeah, and get rid of them right away instead of yes. seeing... Yeah, I I understand that because when I'm writing, if I, if I write something that's the wrong word or the wrong phrase, I have to, um, you know, erase it neatly and then I can put something else in and I'm more concerned with how it looks on the piece of paper right. than what I'm trying to say sometimes. So I understand and the fact that you suggest moving from that misstroke to another part of the canvas sort of breaks that chain of thinking. And I think gives, it, yeah. Gives you a chance to see whether it works with the, the rest of your when, composition. When I was in graduate school for psychology, um, there was always talk 
about uh, ambiguity. Mm-hmm. Like that we never really had pat answers in psychology. There were always kind of pros and cons on some subject, uh, especially ethical subjects. Um, and, and what it meant was, can you live with ambiguity? Can you live without an answer to a question, without a pat answer like you would get in mathematics or mm-hmm. some other yeah. scientific uh, kind of discipline. Yeah. So, so I feel that we're in a mushy kind of discipline. Speaking of painting, yeah. outdoor painting, and we need to live with ambiguity. Okay. So, David, um, as the master of the mushiness, where you have to mush that foreground together to get to get the effect you want, how do you see the element of surprise in in your work? Well, I, I think I think having many years uh, of painting experience, I. I sort of um, know that I, I do use a lot of those things, and I, and I think now after many years of experience, I think you're looking. I look for them. You, lo- I look for them more now than I did say 20 years ago. Uh, I've been painting almost 50 years now, so uh, this understanding of what Connie's explaining psychologically is um, is very true, and I think that to me that that is the part that my cup runneth over that the quality of uh, creativity or the idea of inspiration uh, isn't just from nature. I mean, if I go out and there's some beautiful clouds billowing in the sky and uh, the light is just hitting one spot on the earth and I, I think, wow, what this nature is just inspiring me. But there's the, how, how are you going to put that together? And I think, I think this idea of these these mistakes or these happy accidents, what you say, I think are very vital in, in to rekindling, the, that, that's why I say the cup of the rekindling a, a creative thinking, a creative process. Mm-hmm. And I think without this, this uh, entropy, uh, this, uh, these, these things that I think the brain is saying, man, this stuff's not important, right? It's a little bit like compost, huh? <laughs> I'm sorry to say, I'm looking at the vegetable garden. That's why everybody I'm thinking of this, but um, you, that you don't you don't just throw the garbage out. You, it it makes makes dirt, and it's then really the worms good. come to life, mm-hmm. and get and then you put it down, and you got rich soil to grow anything you want out of. And and I really think that that's what you're doing. You you know, so discarding something for just the basic facts. Um, I don't think is is uh, is is worthwhile in the long run. Yeah, you know, there's recent evidence too um, in psychology uh, that that this there's something called the default mode network in the brain, mm-hmm. and it has um, it's where we've gotten into uh, really clearly. We think we understand what is in front of us, and we immediately go to our pat you know, habits and programs and ways of responding. The autopilot. The autopilot, (laughs) you know, so we're into that. And the entropy is that element that is, uh, we're calling it the element of surprise, the happy accident, but it's also the place uh, in which we're moving into other pathways, other neuronal pathways in our brain and I think painting does allow us to to kind of access certain things that we didn't access before because we are in ways of we're trying to 
to search out the environment and, and come up with a solution mm-hmm. to our, our problem of composition. Mm-hmm. You know, and that forces us to move out into this, what we're calling entropy, this, this area uh, that might be somewhat disorganized, um, had, lacks any kind of comfort for us. Mm-hmm. And yet that might be, that uncomfortable place is good for the artist to be in. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I'm trying to write a, a piece at the moment and I can't, I'm trying to make it perfect straight away and it's not working for me. But you're right, if I descend into my more chaotic thinking, which is, you know, write down what I want to say and forget about how it it is, it's just a draft, just get down the thought, and even if it's disjointed, and then you can polish it up exactly. later. But it's very hard. How? What can somebody who's obsessive-compulsive <laughs> like I am, how do you get away from trying to make that perfect thing to begin with? How do you change your thinking? Well, the analogy to what you're saying and writing and things, I, I think it's still sometimes you got to make a suggestion. Now, sometimes, and I think this would happen to any painter, probably happened to you, Connie, mm. is that I'll put something, I'll put a brush stroke down that is to um, emulate what I see, the tree, and I do do it so quickly, and then I say, "Wow, what a beautiful brush stroke that mm-hmm. was!" And I sort of fall for the brush stroke, and then um, mm-hmm. so uh, you know, so maybe that's it. And that. it's there's nothing there. Yeah. There's no tree there. It's just a brush stroke, and uh, and I'll be so proud of this brush stroke. I'll <laughs> say whoever I'm painting with, Connie or uh, John or somebody, I'll say, "Hey." Look at how beautiful that brushstroke is. <laughs> and it's ridiculous when you think about it. Yeah. But it shows you out of that, maybe the whole tree is formed. Mm. So maybe in your writing, maybe it's it's one of those just sort of minor parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, the wind was blowing across the marsh in this little canal that they all painted. Mm-hmm. But maybe that wind is going to bring you new, new ideas. I think Connie's absolutely right yeah. that yeah. these... And my dad used to talk about, Roger Curtis used to always talk about the accidents uh, mm-hmm. and look for the accidents, use the accidents. Um, and for years, I said, no, I have to draw the tree and it has to be very deliberate. The trunk, the limb, the twig, the leaf, and everything <laughs> has to be formed. And then as I started painting, I realized that if I did it sort of more natural, like with a brushstroke, getting the right color and the right value, uh, that the suggestion to me, to myself as a painter, could help me to get a better rendering of that tree and capture the form of it. Yeah. yeah. yeah I was going to say, too, about this, um, David saying that he... He's got a brush stroke in that uh, resembles what he thinks the tree looked like in, mm-hmm. in front of him. And then he falls in love with his brush stroke. Mm-hmm. Well, um, that's all part of the ego's feeling that I did it. I did something, <laughs> yeah. you know. And, and, um, and part of this, um, this entropy or happy accident aspect is to, is to allow yourself to to have a relationship with something that is not your comfort. Well, I mentioned that before, not your comfort zone. And usually this element of surprise has a feeling nature that you need to capture in your paintings and yet will not arrive if you're too caught up with the element of looking a certain way. Yeah. 
It's. Uh, I read one so they say it's. I did so much reading on how to be a better writer that now I can't write because I'm thinking all the time about all the things that have to go into that perfection. I don't know whether, as artists, you um, you study uh, continuously. You look at other people's great art, you're the old masters, and you're always trying to do the better painting. Can you have too much knowledge to, to find your way through everything to, to do your own thing? I think, in, 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 from my point of view, I, I now, uh, I remember seeing an exhibit at Rockport Art Association of Emil Groupie, and um, I had my own personal opinions about Emil's work. But when I saw a bunch of a body of work together, 60, 70, 80 pieces, mm-hmm. I realized he, his approach was different almost every painting. Now, I think these were his later works. These weren't his early works. These were his middle period and some of his later period. But I had the, and they were, I think, from the family. But every painting looked like he approached it from a different point of view. I'm going to lay in all my docks first. I'm going to lay in all my lights first. And I'm just going to go color first. His approaches were so different. That rekindled in me this whole idea, he's right. I should go, and it's just a visual thing. It's nothing that was written that I read about what Emile did. It's just the obvious conclusion that every painting was started and, and approached differently. And, and I think some of the great masters, Rembrandt, I think you could look at his works and see a different approach almost every time he picks up, even if he's doing another self-portrait. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that different approach of, maybe it's very technical, but I think Connie's on the right track in being able to describe it as this entropy, you know. Um, I think it is. Now I went from parsimony to entropy. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's outside of this default mode Mm -hmm. that I was referring to before that that actually is just being discovered. That uh, it's, and this default mode, just to describe it a little bit more in personal terms, is it's kind of when we're sitting around. Think about when you're sitting in the waiting room of a doctor's office and you're just kind of looking at the magazines and you're just kind of la-lying and you're daydreaming somewhat. And um, that's sort of the default mode. But most of the time that goes into sort of ruminations, worries, past events, maybe future worries of the future, things like that. And that is when we're stuck in the default mode. When, we, um, when we're in entropy, as we're describing it, or in this element of the unknown, it is when we are allowing ourselves to move outside of that traditional worry box and, and hitting things that are different and new. And I think a way of approaching it is like what Emil, like what David's talking about with Emil, is stock, uh, taking a different approach to your paintings every time you set up outside. And that's one avenue that will push you into this, this thinking outside the box. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and just as I announced the fact that I had a great brushstroke, I think... <laughs> Going down this path of thinking that you're talking about, I think has really helped me uh, to, to do this, uh, uh, to find new ways, to also understand nature better 
it's opened my eyes to the understanding because, like you said, it's very easy to have a formula in your head that, uh, you know, well, I don't want to paint that because that's this kind of lighting effect. I don't want to, you know, you have a much more open mind towards seeing. And and nature is presenting all these packets, but they're not hitting you over the head with a two by four. But it's it 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 should be that way. I mean, for the artist, should be feeling like he's gotten socked around a little bit by the beauty in front of us. That is true. I agree. Nature is rough. Yeah, it is. Well, the artist should take should should have that open mind, and it's hard to have that. But I think this. This sort of psychology of understanding the entropy, I think it really, really works well, because it's taking, like we said, it's taking something else that's almost like discarded stuff, discarded ideas, mm-hmm. but saying, you know, uh, it's there's nothing negative about something yeah. that you had to cut and paste and change in your computer stuff, but it's this, it's it's that idea that out of this little. You know, very similar to the parsimony concept, and, yeah, and that we can we can take something less is more. Yeah. Well, when after you were were ill, and we're going back two years now, um, you suddenly started doing these, um, doing a lot of canvas boards, going out and just trying to get a good piece within um, you know two three hours. You know the Allo Primer method. Would you say then that you were stepping out of your comfort zone um, and trying to do something different just to get back into painting after such a long layoff? Well, that's an interesting question because when I first started out, after the first year of doing that, I think this is true of all artists. Well, I'm going to go out and sketch. So you go out and do a sketch, but then you forget about it and you don't practice it again for another six months and you do another sketch. Eh, that never worked. And that's, I think painters are very open-minded, open, uh, eclectic in their thinking. They don't latch on to something specific. And I think that's, that's what I want to do is to, is to have that freshness, that newness. So after the first year of doing these, I figured I'd stop and then start looking for compositions and doing major, you know, stretch canvases again. But I felt like I didn't give myself a good chance at this. So I said, I'm going to give myself another chance, which opened up all these other avenues of thinking because I had the goal was to do something that looked like nature, uh, that had a little quality of nature and an effect of light or atmosphere in a very short time. That was the goal. And out of that, I'm, I'm exploring new color theories, uh, new design theories, and I, and I think it's opened up a lot of doors by... Um, no, it's important to treat your profession uh, in a craftsman-like way, but it's also important to treat your profession as it's not a business that's established, it's a business that's going to grow. Yes. And you so want it to grow. You yeah. want yeah. it to progress. Yeah. 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 So you open up those doors and suddenly there's the element of surprise right in front that's of That's right. <laughs> now, another thing I was going to say is that um, that the... the when I've noticed, I don't know, I got distracted, but um, <laughs> I noticed that uh, when we go outdoors, and especially when I was painting um, early on, um, I would look at a scene and think it's absolutely gorgeous, but that I can't paint it, you know, because I had never painted that. So I'm only painting things with horizon lines and this and that and, you know, whatever my little groove was. 
So, um, so I think this also forces us to say, well, let me take a chance. Mm-hmm. And even if I mess up, yeah. I'm going to try something new. Yeah, it is. And you never know what's going to come out of it. Well, can you believe it? Time's up, folks. I know Connie and David are anxious to get out. It's a beautiful day and they're going to go off painting. So thank you very much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. And more important, I hope you're going to join us next week for another edition of the Sight and Insight podcast.